Jesus, we acknowledge that there's no one like you. And we know that we can recollect today your faithfulness, that you've been faithful to each one of us, that you carry us through the most difficult of circumstances. And everybody here, Lord, brought something with them. And, and as we praise you and worship you, we are laying those things at your feet. We're saying, God, I trust you. You are faithful in all things. I'm not going to forget what you've done in the past. And Father, I just pray that as we celebrate what you have done in the past, that we would have our faith built for the future. And that we'd be able to lay aside all those things that, that so distract us. And that we would have confidence that no matter what we face, you are the God who carries us. And I just pray this morning, Lord, that you'll build our faith. And as we move forward into hearing from your word, Lord, that your living word would challenge and change our lives. That nothing in me would get in the way of what you want to say to us today. But we would leave changed. Not because of some religious exercise or some nice talk, but because we've met with the living God and we've interacted with the living word. And we give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. When I was a kid, I loved to climb trees. How many of you love to climb trees then? How many of you still love to climb trees? I see that hand. Yeah, there we go. Good. I love the, the feeling of being close to nature, close to God while nestled at the top of a tree, hidden from the view of the rest of the world. It's like I could be all alone with God up there. Well, in the front yard of the house we lived in in Iowa, I was about nine or 10 years old at this point in time, we had this large tree with large branches, one of which curved out over the front roadway that went in front of our house. And one hot summer day, my brothers and I decided to hide in that leafy limb over the tree and water passing cars. Now, we did eventually get caught and we got in trouble, but neither my older brothers or me, none of us would ever admit to doing that convertible. <laughs> Sometimes I enjoy climbing trees just for the challenge of reaching the top. And in the backyard of our, of our uh, house, there were some huge fir trees, thick with branches, and at the very top of them was, was a blackbird's nest, and we could see this, this mother bird coming and, and feeding her little, little chicks or whatever they were uh, that had been hatched, and she was feeding them flying back and forth. And so I thought, I, I want to get up to the top and see it firsthand. So near the very top of the tree, as I was climbing up, I reached for a branch and I missed. What I hadn't bargained for, a nine-year-old not noticing, was the high-voltage power line that ran through the branches, and I grabbed the wrong thing. Immediately, I was glued to both the power line with one hand, while my other hand was stuck to the top of that skinny top of the tree. I experienced something brand new for the first hand, first time, first hand, electricity. And I couldn't let go. It was like I was glued there, and I, I could feel the buzz and vibration of electricity flowing down one arm through my chest and down to the other arm. And what seemed like an awfully long time after a long time, the current just quit. Now, I don't know if 
I blew a transformer or a breaker or something happened. All I know is that the vibration stopped. And guess which hand let go first? The arm holding onto the tree. Well, after what seemed like a... Oh, I'm, let me go to the next paragraph. <laughs> to the tree. Now I was hanging by, the, by this wire 30 feet up in the air. A live power line. It must have been an involuntary reaction of, of fear. Fear of the power line that overcame my fear of gravity. So I let go. Well, at the base of the fir tree was my friend. He was too rotund to climb the tree, and he had stayed safely on the ground to watch. Keeping his eyes on me, trying to gauge my rapid descent as I was caromed back and forth by the tree branches, he moved left and right and left and right as he watched me come down. On the very last branch before the ground, with a bump on my rear end, I stopped and slid off into my friend's arms. Evidently, the incident had produced some volume since moments later my mother appeared wondering what all the screaming was about. Well, I survived, believe it or not, I'm still here, with a burn smell on both palms, more cautious about trees and a lot smarter about electricity. And yes, that really happened. I thought about that story when I was preparing for this message on the third commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God or do not take God's name in vain because God's name is powerful, a lot more powerful than electricity. God's name is not just a representation of who he is, but is who he is. His name includes his nature, his person, his very being. God's name is power, so powerful that the third commandment warns us not to misuse God's name. It's powerful. It can even be dangerous. This message is entitled Danger, High Voltage, for a reason. I'd like you to turn with me to Exodus 20, verse 7. Exodus 20, verse 7, it's on page 60 in the Bible. If you want to follow in the, the Bible in front of you, just one verse, which says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. The series we're in the middle of is God's top ten. It's about relationship. The Ten Commandments are part of what is called the law. The law includes the Ten Commandments and gives us parameters or boundaries or guidelines of how to properly relate to God and how to relate to other people. Now, David writes about this in Psalm 19. He elevates the, the role of the law, which includes more than the Ten Commandments, but he talks about the law. In, Exodus, in Psalm 19, he says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Then he says the last verse, verse 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Remember, the Ten Commandments give us parameters, boundaries, and guidelines of how to relate correctly to God and to other people. Remembering that we do not attain or earn our right standing before God. We don't earn our right standing or salvation by keeping the Ten Commandments. The law, 
the Ten Commandments are a measuring stick, or it's a, it's a standard. Romans 7, 7 says, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. In other words, this says, this is what perfection is. If you can do all of this, you can, you, you can go to heaven and you can be perfect, but you, nobody can keep it perfectly, so God had to make provision. We cannot keep the law perfectly. The law was given us to show us where we fall short, that we need help. It shows us that we need Jesus to pay for our sins and deliver us. That's why God sent Jesus to bridge the chasm between us where we are and where we need to be. It's through Jesus that we can have that relationship with God restored. That said, what does it mean to misuse God's name? We have all kinds of conceptions about what this commandment means. How do we misuse God's name? We have to understand what it is in order not to do it, right? Okay, well let's, let's see if we can figure it out. We're not gonna have all the answers today, but I hope we have a few. There are three major areas where we fall short and misuse God's name. Thought, word, and deed. That, that about covers it, thought, word, and deed. So let's start with thought or our mind or a- attitude. To misuse God's name means to use God's name for no purpose for the wrong purpose, or to demean it, or have no respect or awe for it. Now, when we talk about a name, it means far more than what we understand in a name today. Proverbs 22.1 says, a good name is more desirable than great riches. A good name. And in Hebrew thought and understanding, name meant far more than Anderson or Swenson or Kowalski or Nordvet, okay? The name means the person, the character, the qualities, the reputation, the moral values of that person. It's who the person is. It's the whole enchilada. So when we talk about the name of God, it's who God is. Name means the person of that name, the person of that name. And to misuse the name is to misuse the person of that name. And in this context, it's to misuse the person of God. In the realm of thought, it's to presume on God, to take God lightly, or to approach God tritely. See, God is power. God is danger. It's high voltage. And God, like the power line, may appear normal enough, but get close and touch God, and wow, that is power. And we are called to respect that power and approach God with a healthy fear and reverence. When the Bible talks about fearing God, it's not that we're afraid of him, but we're in awe of him, and we treat him with respect. As a high school student, I remember feeling particularly close to one of my teachers. I had a a great teacher, and and we had a good relationship, and I I considered him my friend. And off campus one day, I ran into him at at an evening concert, and, and I thought it would be great if we just acted like best friends and best buddies. Well, I was shocked at his response. Yes, he was my friend, but he was teacher, I was student. There was a, a boundary of, of healthy reverence and respect. And I learned an important lesson that served me well later as I entered the teaching profession, that being friends is not the same as being a peer. Being friends is not the same as being a peer. In the same way, we must be careful how we touch God. Sometimes we enter his presence, we go, we're going to have our devotions or something, or we come into worship service with a careless attitude. We can approach God flippantly with no respect and no awe. In our minds, we're just here to meet with God, no big deal, right? It is a big deal. It is a big deal. We are here to approach God in awe and respect, and it all starts in our mind, how we think and how we perceive God. 
What place does God have in your mind? In your mind. Do you misuse God's name and character and person by treating God lightly? Is, is he your best friend? I hope so, but not best friends like a peer or equality like a human best friend. See, God and you are not peers, okay? We are not peers of the God. He's God, we're not. Just, just saying. He's God, we're not. I'll never forget the Harrison Ford movie, the, the first one that he did with the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Anybody, how many of you saw that? Raiders of the Lost Ark, the very first one. That was the best one, by the way, but, but that's, that's my opinion. I'll never forget at the end of the movie, movie that the villains who had stolen the Ark wanted to look inside, and as they opened the Ark, Harrison Ford yelled to Mary and his partner, close your eyes, don't look. You guys remember that? Don't look. Why did he say that? Then the presence of God, the glory of God, burst forth from the ark, and what happened? They melted. The men melted. It was, so, it was awesome. I said, wow! That was incredible. You know, when we, we'd rent it later, and we'd go over that, and we'd watch it a few times just to see how that looked. But it was, a, it was an incredible effect, and it was true because it says, no one can look on God and live. And they took God lightly in such a way. And that was a, an incredible picture, even though it was the movies. It was an incredible picture of the nature of God, that we don't take him lightly. Well, do we misuse God's name, the very essence, the very being of God, in our thoughts? How do we think of God? How do we think of God? Number two, in words, in words, the second dimension. This has to do with the mouth. Now, this is the area most people think of when quoting the third commandment. They think about the verbal misuse of God's name or names. This is careless or irreverent use of God's name. It's profanity or swearing. And, and let's start with swearing because it does include swearing. Okay? Starts in our mind, then it goes to some kind of action. Um, I hear expressions of surprise or shock. I hear this all the time. Oh my God. Oh my God. Or they use an abbreviated synonym while texting or on Facebook or Twitter and they put OMG. OMG. Then we hear someone exclaim, Jesus Christ, so they say, God damn, or whatever. And you hear it where you work, you hear it at school, you hear it in your neighborhood, you hear all these things. And, and most of us will cringe at those expressions at home, but we seem quite comfortable hearing those expressions on television or in the movies. To some, it's okay, it works somewhere else, but just not at home and not in front of the kids, but you know, God is everywhere, and no matter what we hear, how it is used, it is offensive. It is dangerous. God is everywhere. Many try to temper their language with euphemisms. What is, what is a euphemism? A euphemism is defined as, in this Webster's Dictionary, a euphemism is defined as a substitute that means the same thing, but it's less offensive. Okay, a euphemism is something that means the same thing, but it's less offensive. Now, in our politically correct charged environment, we see euphemism all, all the time. Uh, John Leo listed some of these as kind of, uh, I'll just give you some of them, uh, that were used. Cosmetically saturated means wearing too much makeup. Fragrance abuse is wearing too much perfume. Non-discretionary fragrance is body odor, okay? Action figures are dolls for boys. Um, comparative ads are attack ads, okay? Then you have traffic calming insertions. Traffic calming insertions, what do you think those are? Speed bumps, 
speed bumps, okay? You have a hemp activist who's a pot promoter, okay? You have deer management, which is shooting all the deer. I don't know how he came up with that. Then you have involuntary normal attrition. Involuntary normal attrition, which is laying off workers. You have managing down, which is laying off workers. You have right-sizing, which is laying off workers. Then you have job survivor, person not yet right-sized, attrited, or managed down. Anyway, those are, those are things that he talks about. Euphemisms, and we see them all the time. We use words that are less offensive. Well, euphemisms are a less offensive way to say the same thing. And we have euphemisms in language and in swearing, too. And all you have to do is go to the dictionary, okay? Now, I'm not, I don't want to get into word police here and do all this other stuff, but let me just give you this definition because I believe that we ought to be aware that some things may offend God. Look it up. Darn means damn. Heck means hell. Golly means God. Gosh means God. G means Jesus. Frickin, figgin, effin, whatever derivative means the F word. And we think these are cutesy, acceptable phrases made popular and leave it to Beaver and Lassie. And most of us would never even consider using the, the real words. We just want to use words that mean the same thing. Like I said before, I don't want to get into word police and all this other stuff. God looks at the heart and all this stuff happens. But I just want you to be aware that we have a holy, righteous God and we intend not to offend him, but we don't. May, we may offend him. Most would use euphemisms in order not to break the third commandment. Okay? Most of us say, I'm not going to break the third commandment. I'm going to use a euphemism. They just seem less offensive. They may be less offensive to us, but are just as offensive to God. And again, inserting a word of caution about legalism, I don't want us running around grabbing people and say, you said that, you said that. You know, that's it's between you and God. But remember, just think about it. What I say affects my relationship with God. Now, honestly, swearing may be the least important issue here. You know, we, we, we tend to look at this and say, it must have to do with swearing. But that's really probably the least important issue here. The next section is letter B, the misuse of God's name. The misuse of God's name. First one would be formulas. Formulas. Uh, formulaizing of God or Jesus. This is reducing God's name or Jesus' name to a formula. And as, as we studied the New Testament and we looked at the book of Acts, we found that Jesus' disciples and followers healed and they cast out demons and did miraculous deeds in Jesus' name. And it worked. And since it worked, there were other people and we find, mainly in the book of Acts, that said, oh, the formula Jesus in Jesus' name works, so we're going to use it too. And a little bit of an interesting story in Acts 19, we looked at this in our series. The sons of Sceva, who was a Jewish high priest, decided they're going to use this in Jesus' name to cast out demons. So they tried to cast out demons in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And in this case, the demon didn't leave. It said, it answered them and talked to them. It said, Jesus I know and I know about Paul, but who are you? And if I was them, I'd have known right then I was in deep trouble because basically then the demon took this guy and jumped on him and beat him up. It was just crazy. Now, why did the formula work for the disciples of Jesus and for Paul, but not for the sons of Sceva? Because the sons of Sceva were not representatives of Jesus. They had no authority. They had no relationship with Jesus. Therefore, they didn't have Jesus' authority. Just using a formula doesn't do anything. 
You have to have a relationship where you are the representative of Jesus within that intimate relationship and walk with Jesus. And the name of Jesus means as a representative of Jesus, whom I have a relationship, or by virtue of my relationship with Jesus, I represent Jesus, therefore I have his power and authority to command you. See, the power of Jesus' name, or God's name, is not available to just anybody. Only those who have a true relationship and are children of God have a relationship with a person of that name. I have no authority to use that name unless I am under that authority. But if I'm under the lordship of Jesus, I've received him as my Savior and Lord, I represent him, then I have the authority to use that name. Many people today misuse the name of Jesus by reducing it to part of a magic formula, a magic bullet by which they now have power. People think their relationship to God, the person of God, is irrelevant. They believe they can live in sin, live in disobedience to God, live any way they choose, and just use his name. You, you can't do that. If our lifestyle and values violate the character and person that the name represents, God, we don't have power, and we are guilty of misusing God's name. Now, closely related is number two. Number two, using God's name for my benefit. This is the God is my servant attitude. If we use the right words, he has to perform. And we make sure to end every prayer with in Jesus' name and assume that if we use in Jesus' name, it will be answered. Well, we have many quote John 14, 14. says, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So I got to use Jesus' name as a formula and he has to answer it. Well, you have to take the context of John 14, verses 13 and 14. When it says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. The qualifier is that God would receive the glory. Our prayer must be righteous, correct, moral, holy, and consistent with God's character for Jesus to answer, for God to answer. Therefore, it's for God's benefit, not mine. It's not, I'm going to use this for my benefit and God has to answer it. And many people say, as long as I use the right formula. No. There's a lot more to it than that. That's why seeking God in his face and saying, God, what is it that you desire? What's consistent with your character? What's consistent with your will? And then I pray in Jesus' name, believing, and he will answer. Number three, prophecy. Now, when we speak of prophecy, we enter an area that is very misunderstood. And this is not a comprehensive teaching on this subject, but an application of the third commandment related to prophecy. In its simplest form, prophecy is God speaking to man. God takes human instruments, gives them a message to be relayed. And he did it in the Old Testament. He does it today. It's called, it can be direct revelation, whatever it may be. Prophecy is speaking forth God's truth. God using human instrumentation to speak. The, sometimes it's in, um, in uh, verbal form, spoken form, thus saith the Lord. Sometimes they're written down. But when someone said, says, thus saith the Lord, it meant God told me or God spoke to me. And um, we believe that God speaks to us today, okay? We really believe, and he speaks to us through the word, he speaks to us directly, he speaks, there are a lot of ways God speaks to us. But we must be careful when we say God spoke to me and make sure that it, it was God speaking. Some people validate anything and say, oh, God just said this. But God does speak to us if we listen. But... In the Old Testament or throughout the Bible, if they said God spoke to me and he didn't, then it was considered false prophecy, a false prophet. When we say God spoke to me or I heard the voice of the Lord, we have to be careful. It's a, it's a voice of God. One of the most difficult tasks is to discern between whether it, it was my voice or God's voice. Okay? Was it 
is this God, me speaking or is it God speaking? And just being very careful to discern so we don't misuse the voice of God. Don't misuse it. Misuse it. Make sure it's God. Direct revelation is real. Just be careful. Number four, blessings or cursings. Blessings or cursings. God's name has power. We say, God bless you. Okay? In fact, we say that a lot when people sneeze. I, you know, I, I don't know where that came from. I asked somebody, does anybody know what Geschuntheit means? Geschuntheit? Anybody? It's German. Is it? What? Okay, good. Okay, good health. That's what I thought. So um, if you say, God bless you, um, you know, you're saying God bless you, and that doesn't mean, but don't, don't take it lightly. You know, it's just one of, the, it's a cultural thing. And so, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I just thought about that, and I'm thinking, we can say God bless you, and, and just, it's trite. But we shouldn't take those words tritely. If you mean it, say it. Okay, and if I sneeze, say God bless me. That's okay. Whatever it is. But God bless you. Don't use it out of habit or make it trite. Now, and then some will actually not only bless someone in God's name, but they'll damn someone. They'll say, using the damn word. Blessing has power and cursing has power. Be careful what you say. Our words carry a lot of weight. Witchcraft uses words too. Witchcraft will attempt to use God's name or the names of God, invoking curses or the names of demons or other gods realizing that we can bless people and we ought to bless people. We can curse people by saying negative things, cursing people. James 3 says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this ought not be. Saying negative instead of building people up, tearing them down, criticism, those kinds of things, make a big, big impact on people's lives. Number five, oaths, oaths. We stand ready to testify in court and say, I solemnly swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. It's an oath. We stand before the minister at our wedding and say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health till death separates. With God's help, I give you my promise. It's an oath. And if we take oaths lightly, we can take God's name in vain. Then there's lying. Some will take God's name in vain by saying, I swear to God it's true and it has nothing to do with that. Don't invoke that. So words, words. Let's move on to number three, deeds or actions. This is an area we probably don't think of very often. It's probably the most important, most important. We can take the name of the Lord in vain when our actions contradict our words, when our life contradicts our profession. Elton Trueblood said, that this commandment is a warning against taking God lightly. He believes we break this commandment when we say we believe in God, that we accept the ideals of his kingdom, but we don't take him seriously. This would be true of a nominal Christian or even a lukewarm Christian. There's our people that say, well, I, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a believer. They're a nominal Christian or lukewarm. Maxie Dunham says, using God's name in vain when there's no genuine faith or commitment is a violation of this commandment. Joy Davidman expands this thought, and she writes this. The misuse of power had given place to the contempt of power. Today, with 2,000 years of additional practice, we have invented many new ways of breaking the third commandment. It says, we still misuse God's power. We still despise it. We call upon God to justify our sins. We commit the ultimate blasphemy 
blasphemy of not calling on God at all. Many churchgoers think the third commandment has meant primarily to forbid casual profanity, yet casual profanity is perhaps the least of our offenses against it. It shows that many of us have no fear of God, no love of God, no respect, no appreciation of his glory and power. Believers take God's name in vain when they contradict their profession with their actions. Most are not overt and obvious, but subtle and casual. Have you ever been in a position of authority when nobody took you serious? Okay. Maybe you had to go babysit someplace, or, and the, the kids just laughed at you and you told them to go to bed. I've had that happen. They just kind of blow you off. Or your substitute teacher. You know, you substitute teachers have one of the hardest jobs ever. You go in there and you don't know the class, and, and uh, there, there was one substitute teacher. I, I used to teach music, and this was band. And the, what, they, the, what the band would do to substitute teachers is, you know, they all, they all play different instruments, okay? Well, they would all switch instruments and, and go to an instrument they couldn't play. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that, okay? It, <laughs> It was pretty funny, but anyway. <laughs> and, and when they don't take you serious, and nobody's doing anything terribly evil. They're just ignoring you and the teacher not taking you seriously. Well, that's how many of us approach God. We don't take him seriously. It's not that we're committing some egregious sin. We're just taking his, his name in vain by not taking him serious. Exodus 27 says, For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Why does he tell us that? So we don't, yes, but also so we do. Do what? Take him seriously. Thou shalt take the name of the Lord your God in earnest. Remember, the whole purpose of the Ten Commandments is to preserve our relationship with God, to give parameters, to give guidelines. Is it to keep God happy? No, it's to keep us on the right track which is the only place where we're truly happy because it's about relationship. Having that open relationship with God that helps us understand. Now, all of us are guilty of breaking the third commandment in any one of number of ways. The good news is that Jesus paid for that sin too. And when we realize any of these commandments that we break them, we confess and say, I agree with God, I did this. And we repent. We say, we purpose to go the other direction, ask for God's forgiveness. He'll forgive us, and he restores us back into right relationship again. Although we must always be careful how we live and being aware, God wants us to be free. And one of the beauties of walking in the Christian life is that as we become more and more like Jesus, we take on more and more of his character. We're, we're free to do the things that we do, not because we have a list of do's or don'ts over here, but because he changes our heart by his Holy Spirit. When we ask him to come in and be our Lord and Savior, his Holy Spirit begins to change our hearts so that we naturally or supernaturally begin to take on the character of God. And so what comes out of our mouth, what comes in our thoughts, what comes in our actions are in line with the character of God. We don't have to work off a list. We just submit to the Holy Spirit of God. God's law written on our hearts becomes part of our very nature. The knowledge of the Ten Commandments is just the beginning. It shows us our shortcomings. But he gives us the ability to do the Ten Commandments. Danger, high voltage. 
I challenge you to examine your heart and pray with a psalmist as he prayed. And this is something maybe you want to pray every day. Psalm 1914, it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my, my redeemer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God who loves us and you want a right relationship with us. And I pray, God, that you would continue to teach us and to change our hearts and change our lives. God, we don't have the ability to do all this on our own. But you change our hearts. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we won't live in legalism or fear or live off a of list mentalities or but that we would just supernaturally be transformed by your power, by your spirit. And that we can have that open, unhindered relationship with you. Let's stand, shall we? Thank you. We can be seated for just a minute. We'll be dismissed shortly. Um, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. You're dismissed.